Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry, feathered, or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome, listeners, to episode 191 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking to pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Ann, and I'm joined this week by the man, the man, the man with the plan. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going, mate? How has your week been, and what has been happening in your veterinary world, pal? Well, it's been uh, it's been a pretty good week, mate. We've um probably a little bit busier this week than than we have sort of the last couple of weeks uh, we, had, uh, yeah. we had a little bit of COVID going through Ooh. yeah one, one of the vets uh, has got COVID had or has COVID um, yeah so so we sort of down a vet and uh, I think that just just puts a little bit more extra pressure on everybody a little bit of extra work and then a couple of nurses were a bit sick and we're sort of like oh is it COVID you know and then mm. they're testing negative on the rat test but maybe we should get a PCR because there's all the issues about what rats at work and what rats don't and so yes. So it's been yeah a little bit a little bit of a disrupted week, but uh, it's been it's been uh, it's been pretty good. I can't think of any sort of major cases. I think I've got one yeah. that links into something you're going to talk about. But yes, we might, uh, how's your week been? So apart so from, we've apart from the uh, scintillating win last night, I must congratulate you on that. Number eleven, mate, eleven in a row for the mighty Magpies. It's um yeah, considering that I was all well and prepared for Collingwood to finish in the bottom four. Um, mm, to, it to be sitting. Good. To be sitting second after eleven wins in a row, um, I'm I'm trying to keep a lid on it as best as I can, Lewis. But um, a few weeks ago, I said to Christina, I said I'd, I think I could almost sort of dare to dream about about mm. playing finals. And now all of a sudden, you go, just kidding, you dare to dream to go any any further? You go know? all the way. It's got Ooh. it's got it's got some it's got some uh, reminders of uh, of the Bulldogs of 2016, mate. You know, just having this big run at the end of the season. And so, mind you, they came from seventh and Collingwood are a bit higher, so. Anyway, mm. I appreciate your support, mate. Given yeah, that, um, yeah. that Richmond are currently booking a, <laughs> a trip to Bali in the first uh, the first week of September, struggling. Well, speaking of that, I actually had a, we. I don't think we should say names, but I, I think I did send you the photo. I had a yes, a, a well known. Uh, footballer come in uh, to, to work this week and uh, you know we're chatting and you know vaccinating uh, his dog and uh, just you know, a bit of chit chat and that sort of thing oh yep you know the tigers aren't going to make it and he was he was from a team that look you know not going to make the finals either sort of thing yes, but you yep. know we sort of talking about that and uh, and then he, he um he mentioned uh, having a baby. Oh, so, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so naturally, I thought, well. You open up the third drawer down and, oh, well, yeah. it's funny you mention that, you funny know, you Mr. Mention AFL that. footballer. This is something I wrote and I got out my book, Tell Your Dog You're Pregnant. Sales are down, so I'll just give a little plug. Yeah. Tell Your Dog You're Pregnant, essential guide for, for dog owners who are expecting a baby. Great book. Only one of its type in the world. Well, there you go. God. And, and, um, and it's interesting, the team he barracks for, quite a few of my friends sort of sort of uh, barrack for. And, um, right, that he plays know, for, yes. Yep. Yeah, he plays for, yeah, sorry, plays for. And so a bit of ribbing between, you know, you know Richmond and their team. I won't say the team because it might, you know, put, put, put him in a spot. And uh, and I said to them, oh, I sent them a photo of, of this footy player holding my book with their dog. I think it's the one I'll probably send yes. to you. Saying, look, look, check out this. This is great. This is, you know. 
uh, this is the uh, the second footballer that's that's asked my autograph. You know, the kind of thing with the book and that sort of thing. And they were like, "Oh, yeah, good on you. That's really good." Yeah, blah blah blah. And I've gone, yeah, they, they've um. Uh, they were trying for the baby from uh, from December last year because they knew they weren't going to make finals. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, get get that in there. So, yeah, that, yeah, it was it was a good, it was a nice little. And I'm, I'm not sure. I did ask if if the world knew, or maybe just Melbourne or Australia knew if, yeah. if they were having a baby. He said yes, but I still haven't posted it on the socials. I'm just not sure where where I stand on the etiquette on that. Fair so enough. we'll let that go. We'll let that yeah. go. We, we don't like to do that. Without names, no. Well, I, and and I think um, I think I might have said to you that I sold a a copy of your book too this week. But, yes. Um, well, I don't yes. know whether or not it's actually going to be sold as a hard copy though, or whether or not it might be an audio book version. Oh, yeah. So yeah. um, so the uh, a, a well, lovely lovely couple that came in and um. Uh, we're, we're talking about how their dog was dog was pregnant, and they said, "So, what, what sort the of dog things was you, pregnant?" Oh, sorry, sorry they, they were pregnant, but but they were trying to work out how um you know what, are there is there anything we should be doing? I said, "Well, funnily enough, if I don't mention this, then there's going to be someone who's going to be very very disappointed." So um so so we're looking it up. You know how to tell your dog you're pregnant, um, and they said, "Oh, is there an audiobook version of it?" I said, "I'm not." Not sure, yes. but let's have a look because I'd love to see whether or not Lewis has actually sat down and um and read the whole thing himself. But you haven't, you had a ghost reader. Oh no, I know. That's the biggest that's out of the, all the stuff I've done for the book. Like so there's an ebook, there's an audio book, there's a hard copy, there's an online, you know, I like you can get it overseas. It's like every, you know, every every sort of copy there is. Yeah. When I did the audio book, it was at a stage where we hadn't, we weren't recording the podcast. So I didn't have any of the recording equipment and I sort of right. looked it up and everyone was saying how hard it was to do and this and that. And, and you had to, you know, every time you came in, you had to be, because obviously you can only record segments at a time. You can't sort of read the whole book in one go. If you make yeah. a mistake, you got it back. So it seemed really difficult. Yeah. So I did actually get someone from, I don't know, I don't know where, he's in America, Chuck Patrick. Chuck right. Paddock to read it out for me. And yeah. um, and so he did the book for me. He's done a great job, really, really good. But you know what? The only bad reviews I ever got have ever got for the audiobook is why isn't Lewis <laughs> doing the reading? That's the only bad reviews I've ever got on it. And so well, like, yeah, so I've got the cat version. Yeah. And, and there is a plan afoot to me to do the audiobook of the cat version, but as it is, mate, life gets in the way and I haven't had time to do that. So Wow. Yeah. So so is that something we should do then? You know, could, could, could we actually get there and get you to record like some sample chapters of it, right? Or should maybe you record a chapter and I record the same chapter and then we put it out to the listeners to try and see who's actually, um, who gets the nod? Oh, see who's the favourite of the two vets talk pets. You think you want to? Yes. You want to read it, mate? You want to? Oh, do mate, it. I'll give it. I'll give it a crack. He's on my always up for a competition. So this could be this could be great. You know, and, and as much as anything to to make because I'm sure the listeners will get behind you because you know, your heart and soul are in the words there, Lewis. And so what's going to happen is the listeners are going to say, yes, yes, we want to tell our cats that we're pregnant, but only through the audio me medium of Lewis's voice. So, <laughs> so I'm more putting myself up there as a, almost like as a control, if you will. So then that way, or a placebo. So then that way everyone can go, no, hang on, we get so much more of an effect from the actual author. <laughs> now the issue then we'd have two listings on Amazon and I wouldn't know which one, which one to be featured. Now, if you oh, got, if you got 10, Ten bad reviews for yours, then you know it wouldn't wouldn't sell any. Oh, and mate, then, I'm not I'm not recording the whole find mine. 
I'm not, not recording the whole freaking book for you. I'm, not, I'm oh, talking about doing a sample chapter, a you sample know, chapter. and then and then and then we can actually put it to the you know, put it out to the listeners oh, and say on the podcast. Hey, yeah, so so we record like a segment, and then we could have that as like the you know episode 193 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, the How to Tell Your Cat You're Pregnant um, host off of where you know you record a bit and I record a bit, and we see who gets the who gets. Wow. The so we, so would you go more a uh, Miriam Margulies type uh, recording with lots of you know. Experience Expression and you know, oh. um, you know, perhaps swear words, even maybe Miriam's name for a swear <laughs> words, or or would you be more like a perhaps a, a Liam Neeson sort of you will tell your cat you're pregnant? Would you be more of you know a serious voice? Oh, no, but I'm, I'm I'd be um. Your, your cholesterol will go up three points with the amount of mayo that I'd be putting on my reading. Oh, I'll, just, I'll just give you the could tip be good. right now. Could be good. Oh, yeah. I, I remember back to all the uh, all the times when I'd be reading the kids' um, stories at night, you know, coming up with different um, uh, voices for the different wow. characters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, mate. I'd have narrators, particularly the Gruffalo. The Gruffalo was my favourite. So so that was the one where I'd have different uh, different voices for each of the different characters in there. So, um, so no, I'd be... Yeah, yeah, let's do it. That'll be a bit of fun. Sounds anyway, good. sounds good. Yeah. Anyway, so, so how's your week been, get wise? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so I actually had um, a uh, uh, so interesting week in that you know sometimes you'll see you know, you'll go months and months and months without seeing cases and then uh, of, of a particular disease and then suddenly you have to walk through the door within within forty eight hours. And I had that this week with two little kittens that have um, that I suspect have got FIP. So oh, um, so FIP, feline infectious peritonitis, which we've spoken about in the podcast before. We gave it a little bit of a zing around um, before COVID, but also during COVID because it's um you know to give the listeners a, a bit a bit of a, a recap on it. It's a it's a really interesting but terrible disease that's caused by a feline enteric coronavirus so completely different to COVID-19 <gasps> oh Lewis Lewis is just spatty's spatty cereal all over his chest because I've mentioned cats and COVID um, so so feline enteric coronavirus it's a um, a really really common virus that cats will pick up but then most cats then they either only get very mild transient disease or the virus can then get into the body and then cause what's called a viremia so then the virus gets around everywhere but in a small percentage of cats that virus then undergoes a mutation that then causes this sort of mutant form of the virus to come around that the immune system can't can't clear out and then the cat's going to develop these um this fip disease this feline infectious peritonitis because of the reaction of the immune system to the virus so it's been a long time since i've seen a case of fip i've had a couple that i've been suspicious of but then um but then nothing else has come with them but these two literally two kittens come in really really high temperatures not mm. eating well um interesting between the two of them though because it looked like one of them had the dry form of it so on blood tests everything was absolutely normal but the kitten was feeling terrible the other one temperature really high blood work absolute lay down misere looking like fip and yet it's eating and feeling great and and, and loving wow. life you know oh, so just gosh. these two really weird dichotomies of um of the disease yeah, so you put them on the because uh, the coronavirus, mate. I assume you've got them on the ivermectin. You've 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 uh, put them straight onto the the horse, the horse stuff. Dewormer. Uh, so I I don't know. Did I tell you about um 
No, I might not have told you because this is when we were up in Queensland. This is just a another segment of you know, this is remembering our good times of back when we were up in um yeah. up in up in Cairns. So when we were at the at the Port Douglas Farmers Market, um the, the kids were down, they were making some some lotuses, some paper lotuses to um there was a a, a little um thing Hippie there store. for trying try, yeah, a little trying to promote um the uh knowledge of the um of the 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 Tibetan, uh, of oh, Tibet yes. and China and um and all the all the things there, and so um the struck up a conversation with a lovely fellow there who had a, a bald head but a big long ponytail and some very um open flowing airy clothes which allowed what could only be described as his body odor to be permeating the the general um uh, you know, vicinity of where we were having our conversation. Shout out to the stallholders at the. Port Douglas, Port Douglas Farmers, Farmers Market, market yeah, the ones, particularly yeah, the ones yeah. that are making the lotus flowers. Yes. Uh, and so we were having a bit of a chat and um, he was talking about how he's come down from up in the hills about how he lives up in a commune up there and about how they, you know, they, they grow all their own vegetables and how he used to be at one somewhere else, but then the the, the landowner started trying to charge them uh, to stay there. And so they all got up and moved <laughs> their commune somewhere else. But now he's here with his daughter and, um, and he's, uh, you know, Said to Christine, "Oh, do you mind if I call my call my wife on on your phone to go?" And I was like, oh, Christina, what are you doing? Um, and of course, you know, I was I couldn't get in in time to say no. Um, anyway, so so we're talking about um COVID and all that sort of stuff. He's gone, oh yeah, you know. As soon as I got myself onto that ivermectin, yeah, that's just mm. been fantastic. That's really how we got. Wait, it doesn't actually it hasn't actually been proven to work and it doesn't actually have you know the right sort of properties on what's going to work with viruses but hey you know i'm not going to be here and talk to you about pharmacology and virology here with you even though you do seem like a lovely lovely fellow um you just you just keep taking your ivermectin at least you're not going to get horseworms and i'll just go and get myself mm. you know another uh, another bit of um you know a, a watermelon juice from um from the store next door Anyway, so some sugar, sugar cane juice. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the the two two cats here. Yeah, I had one this week. Uh, uh, again, a little kitten that had uh, had uveitis in one eye. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, like a six month old kitten, and sort of was. I thought that's a bit weird. You know, you don't see that often, mm-hmm. and you always worry about something sort of going on systemically, something yes. in the body that's causing it. Yep. I thought, oh, maybe it's trauma in the one eye. Maybe it's, you know, bang, got knocked mm. it on something playing around. Yeah, that, that can happen. But it's not something you see regularly. So uveitis is sort of an inflammation in the eye, I guess, mm. in the eye. Um, and, uh, and so we treated it and, and it went seemed to be going quite well. Then a week later it got uveitis in the other eye. All right. Yeah. So I was thinking a bit more along it. Less likely to be a bang or a knock mm. to the eyeball, more likely to be something systemically. So we actually on Friday, we ran some blood tests for that, worrying that maybe mm. there's some FIP similar sort of thing, or maybe there's something else a bit more sinister going on. Always, always worry about that. Maybe lymphoma in yeah. a young kitten that, um, so the owner it's- was really good and really aware of that, but it's like, oh gosh. Poor thing. What a what a yeah. terrible thing! It's it's mm. interesting you mentioned that. So last year during lockdowns, we had a um I had a very very similar case. So um lady rang up and said my my cat's eyes changed color. So that's the the time where you go oh, oh, oh crap you know. So a lot yeah. of these sort of blue uh blue eyed cats suddenly their eyes start to go instead of being blue it gets sort of greeny yellowy greeny. kind of color. That's what this yeah. cat had. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so I did the same thing as you going, oh, look, you know, I'm, I'm really worried this could be FIP, you know, um, 
the owner didn't really want to run tests on it initially. I said, okay, right, well, let's let's try treating it. Next week came in, had it in the other eye, mm. and thought, oh, look, this is really bad. The owner's really upset. So we did all of it. We did the blood test. We did um, we did ultrasounds, going looking for yeah. fluid, looking for all this stuff. Nothing came up, and the eyes got better. Like a serious, like the the eyes got better, and the cat's still alive now. Oh, so it's wow. like wow. So it's oh, like fingers crossed. So, 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 so it's just that weird one because the thing that was interesting for me, because like, so um, with now with FIP, you know, now that there are actual treatments, you know, because previously it's always been a death sentence, but now there are treatments around for it. Um, and have you done any of the pricing on what the, um, on what they cost for the, um, for the different treatments? Not, not for a while. I haven't had, we haven't had a, a FIP case, but we had one a couple of years ago and I think it was sort of a 10 grand, something like that treatment price. I don't know if that's yeah, absolutely No, no, it's pretty well, depending on the size of the cat. So, so one, so the, the one that there's the most studies on, which is injectable, yeah, ten thousand dollars for twelve weeks. Um, wow. Then another one, which is then an oral form, which is um, which is cheaper. It's five thousand dollars, and this is for a for a two two and a half kilogram cat. Wow. Um, and it's like, wow, how's it? Mm. So I mean, we've got now now there's this treatment that's around, but holy Toledo, it's bloody expensive. Yeah, so it is expensive. So yeah. anyway, so and and there's no there's no vaccine for it. There's nothing you can do. It's still really hard to diagnose too. Like you know, like one of these cats, the one that I thought had, because she started going. Um, it was actually really sad. She started becoming paralyzed in her back legs. So I think she may have had it in her spine, and yeah, so yeah. and the owner and the owner didn't want to go for treatment because the the cat was getting worse. Poor kitten was getting worse and worse and worse. Um, but the other one who's got the high fever and's got all the blood tests, who's running around doing absolutely fine, you know, despite the fact that I'm saying I think we need to do more workup. Oh, the cat's doing pretty well. Okay, well, the cat's doing well. We'll keep an eye on it. It's hard to justify, and it sometimes yeah, it's hard to convince. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So anyway, mm. so that's so that's been my one. So um, and um, I had a, another uh, another interesting thing last week. So with with um Sean being away, he's overdoing a an anal gland and nail clip expression um course over in America. A little sabbatical. <laughs> a little sabbatical. Hello to yes. Sean if you're over there on your on your <laughs> your, your four week US road trip of, of anal glands and nail clips. Lovely. Um, uh, he's um so because he hasn't been there, we've been uh yeah Christina and I usually we're both doing surgery on Mondays, but um Christina's been doing more of the surgery and I've been having to um yeah go out and do more consults. But if there'd been big dentals and stuff, I'd jump in there and bail her out. So we had um, this one uh, during the week was, uh, on a Monday, two dentals booked in, neither of them supposed to be all that hard. Turned out both of them were pretty heinous. So I ended up spending oh, wow. all day on the Monday, just pulling out teeth, pulling out teeth, pulling out teeth, pulling out teeth. And so by the time I got them finished and finished my afternoon consults and came home, Camille says, oh, daddy, daddy, how was your day? Going, oh, I just spent all day trying to pull out all these teeth. She's gone, oh, Oh, my tooth's starting to get a little bit loose. Can you have a bit of a go at it? <laughs> Sorry, darling. The uh, the dental instruments have been put away for tonight. If you, if you, you're going to have to use your own tongue for that. I'm, I'm done with trying to pull teeth tonight. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Where? Just uh, no no chance of tying it to the to the door with a bit of string and slamming the door shut or not with uh, these newly renovated doors, mate, you know, I'm not going to be, not going to be running the risk yeah, on that. Don't want to ruin the handles on, on pulling her teeth out. Yeah, good not point. at all. Not good at point. all. No. Oh, wow. It's just yeah. funny how you just had enough, haven't you? It's just uh, a you long just gotta, day. You just got to switch off, Lewis. You just got to switch off. That's why you never want to be an animal of a owned by a vet because by the time they come home, they don't want to look at you. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> just got to look really, really healthy. Hey, um, now, uh, can I tell you a story um, that, that's happened during the week for me? Because we're, we're getting, the, again, we're getting a run of cats that have got um, bladder issues. Um, yeah, right. And so I was talking to a, talking to an owner the other day um, whose uh, who's male cats that are jumping in, in and out of trays and doing these lots of little wheeze. And we've spoken about lower urinary tract things in the, um, in the pot in the past. And they're very, very common. Um, multi-cat household, three cats two litter trays so i said i go well that's one thing we can do first we can go one litter tray per cat plus one yeah. make sure you can how often you're cleaning out oh every couple of days right well you know if you go to the airport and you're walking in through all the cubicles and the and the toilets are, are dirty mm-hmm. you're not going to want to go to each of them so you're better off trying to clean them up okay no problems i said but also i think we need to do something to try and help your cat out with anxiety so what do you reckon i i got this lady to take home some of well I reckon it could do with some zilkine. That, uh, but my goodness, it, it's a, it's, it's almost like we've been telling stories like this for a year and a half, Lewis. That we've been able to, <laughs> you know, you've been able to read my thoughts. Yes, I did. I told her to take her home with some zilkine. So, um, so we get, she's going to use zilkine on the cat that's doing the straining, but also she said that one of the other cats seems like it starts, you know, might be starting to get a little bit grumpy with that cat. So I said, you know what, uh. this stuff is so safe. We get, look. You know, don't don't tell the company listeners, but what we're actually doing, we're using the dog one and we're splitting it in half because the stuff's so safe that I'm happy giving these cats a slightly higher dose. Yes. Open up the capsule, split it in half, half to the cat that's whizzing on the pillow, half to the cat that's causing some of the problems. Let's see how that sort of works because it's a very mild anxiety relieving medication, but it is oh so safe, Lewis, that you can use it with reasonable, reckless abandon with um, with many different disease states and even with other medications. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. And the um, it's interesting you mentioned just sort of the straining stuff. I had a cat during the week that um, uh, didn't use Zilkine, but yeah, um, right. But uh, had well, that's had, part of its problem. Had a well, you had a bit of diarrhea, uh, explosive diarrhea, and was only having it in the evening. Very weird presentation. Um, so the cat uh, would have diarrhea and then would walk around the house, sort of straining, oh, um, yes. but not producing any more poo. Obviously, maybe it's got colitis. Yeah, yeah. yeah it would be like that. But then we actually produce a little bit of wee. Oh, okay. Yes. Straining, like you know, yep. like lots. And the owner was like, "It's, it's definitely wee. It's not a little bit of you know from the mm. other from the, from the bottom." And I was like, oh, "That's really weird." Normally, if they're straining to do poo, you don't normally get a little bit of wee coming as well, you know. And the cat would do sort of normal regular wees during the day. And I was like, "Well, firstly, I was like, we need to you know look at the um uh look at the diarrhea. Mm. So a little bit of diarrhea, maybe dietary indiscretion." So what do you think, any ideas made of to what sort of food I might have suggested that we go on uh, for the little kitty cat that might have helped that diarrhea? Oh, well, are we talking what the prof feeds his, uh, feeds his cat or what or what, what the prof? I Doesn't reckon we should feed it some delicate care. <clears throat> delicate right. care, yeah, yeah, it's always there. That's right. That's what I said. I said, look, here, take a bit of the skin in the stomach, uh, the little bit ah, of the, the – yes. uh, yeah, not, not of the cat. No, the food. No, no, the food. Yeah, yeah, we're not taking the skin in the stomach of the cat. A good, nice, bland food, and let's get us started on that. And uh, and then uh, and the owner was also concerned that they'd um, they'd uh, recently done a flea treatment on the cat, which is fine. That was all normal. But then they'd actually bought a pyrethrin based 
flea spray and they'd sprayed it on the cat's tail maybe a month ago. Right. I said, oh, well, that shouldn't be a problem. You know, put, not, yeah. No, you know, normally get it pretty quickly. Some salivation, maybe worst case, you know, seizures and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's pretty what happens, but but yeah, unlikely yeah. to be a month later. And so, and so, but she'd been Googling it and was like, oh, I think, I think the cat's got liver failure. I think that's why it's pooing oh. everywhere, you know. I said, well, Dr. Google, likely. thank you very much. Yeah, that's right. I was like, well, all right, well, we better do some blood tests. And of course, blood tests, totally normal, well, nothing fine. wrong at all. But delicate care, thank you very much. Came to the party, solidified those stools. The, uh, yes. the straining and the tenesmus stopped and a little bit of weeing around the house stopped as well. So there you go. That's a big thank you to Delicate Care. And uh, I think they're still doing a little bit of uh, the arthritis month these days um, uh, with, uh, of course, their foods have got some amazing things in them like the glucosamine, chondroitin, some of those yummy muscles um, just to keep those joints well lubricated. So go and check out Delicate Care uh, for your dog for for um uh, mobility, well, mo- winter mobility, three months, shall we yeah. say? And and then and then once you've got them working really really well through the uh, yeah, through winter with their arthritis, so they can fit into their swimwear come summertime. Maybe they've got the they've got the uh, the weight management one as well that they might be able to get them on nice. in springtime, just in time for summer. Just not just to uh, just to go on the 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 carb restriction, the cutting down of the the sourdough that. Um, that's, uh, and the cheese boards that you're you're doing to get into the the tux for the for the upcoming mental health charity ball that we're emceeing. Our lovely Valua tux, yeah, absolutely, ooh, yeah. Ooh, don't give too much away. Ooh, don't give too oh, much a little, away. A little bit of sizzle, a little bit of sizzle. Yeah. Um, but uh, but tell you what, if you do want to get a a shot of a picture of the uh, of the yeah, potential uh, uh, clothing wear that we're going to be wearing for the vet mental health ball. Maybe jump onto Patreon and uh, and sign up to Patreon. Uh, search for Two Vets Talk Pets, and uh, maybe we'll put a little bit of a uh, yeah. Maybe mm. we could put the uh, put the unboxing video on there that you sent me. <laughs> you like that? Oh, you that was great. Was, yeah, yeah. Was there any? I don't know. Did I swear in there? I don't think no, I did. No, no, no. I did. did my I did shock ask at if how amazing. Oh, you did. That's right. Because you showed the yes, kids. yes, well, yes, yeah. <laughs> Very well. Which, do which that. is much, which is much better than the than the box. The, the other box that you sent me that I had to open up, and you said, "Look, don't open that. Open this up in front of the kids." So no, yeah. we won't go into that one. No. But, uh, <laughs> All righty. Right. So, um, so I wanted to talk this week, mate, about a um, uh, an interesting article that um. Uh, our, our good friends at Flynn's Walk um, posted on their uh, social media um, page during the week. Um, and I, uh, you know, I, I th- something that often gets talked about in the veterinary side of things as to part of the reason why there's the, the price discrepancy between veterinary service, uh, veterinary health services and human health services. But, you know, just that, you know, what can sometimes happen when someone that's well-meaning, you know, sometimes sort of shoots from the hip and might not necessarily uh, think through all the potential things. So this is from um, ABC News and it was published on the uh, the 2nd of August by uh, state political reporter Bridget Rollison. Uh, Victorian animal rights MP proposes vetty care scheme to offer public care for pets and animals. So vet care in Victoria would become free or subsidized under proposed new laws to introduce a Medicare system for animals dubbed vetty care to make seeing a vet more affordable and accessible. Just, Astra- just, just, yep. just, I'll just cut you off there, mate. For our overseas oh, listeners, yep, we, we do have Medicare 
in Australia, which is a one, wonderful system that um, means a lot of our medical bills are subsidised by the government, by our taxes, I suppose. Um, and uh, and uh, if you're a low income earner, you do get even more off um, your, your medical bills. So the concept of Veticare comes from that Medicare system. Mm. Yeah, and, sorry, and, 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 and through um, public hospital systems in Australia, you just rock up and you'll get treated. So, yes. you know, so there's no very, very lucky. Like, yeah. So, so, and that's been set up for many, many years. So we're, and we, and we're, we're lucky to have a system like that here, but um, uh, so Australia is experiencing a national vet shortage and combined with an increase in pet ownership during the pandemic, it has resulted in some vets closing their doors, particularly in rural and regional areas. In response to the issue, the Animal Justice Party will introduce a motion into the Victorian Parliament, which includes establishing public vet hospitals, upskilling vet nurses and setting up a bulk billing model for vet care. It remains to be seen how many supporters the minor party will be able to win over with this bold new plan, but here's how it says it would work. Uh, Why has it been introduced? Pets and wildlife are not getting the care they need because animal owners and rescuers simply cannot afford it, according to the Animal Justice Party leader, Andy Medic. Victoria has a vet shortage crisis, and it's not just, and it's, sorry, and it is not just creating animal welfare issues, it's driving up prices and placing unimaginable pressure on vets to work overtime unsupported, Mr. Medic said. Just like we can visit our doctor with a Medicare card, Veticare creates public clinics allowing free or low-cost appointments. Penny Hocking has been a vet for more than three decades and said Veticare would make a huge difference, particularly in rural and regional areas. Some people are driving hours to get vet care in regional Victoria because there is very limited after-hours services there and in the cities it can be very expensive, she said. When people cannot afford vet care, not only does the animal not get adequate care, but often they can be euthanized or surrendered to a rescue group who are burdened with the vet expenses. What would it cover and how would it work? The system would cover everything from companion animals needing minor care, including yearly checkup and injections, to more serious operations. People who have domestic animals will pay an annual fee and receive a Veticare card. So it's not necessarily free, but you've got to pay, pay, you know, mm. pay a, a thing to start off with. The Veticare card means pet owners would pay a scheduled fee, as with Medicare, and depending on, what an owner's, depending on an owner's financial situation, they would be charged a gap fee. The laws would also introduce government-funded public veterinary hospitals, which would be bulk billed with no over-the-counter fees. Vet clinics are privately owned and there are currently no public clinics in Victoria. Who would be eligible? Every Victorian pet owner would be eligible to have the scheduled fee covered for their vet appointment, but the gap fee would differ based on a person's financial situation. Concession, pension and health care card holders would have the entire costs covered, receiving the same benefits as Medicare for their pets throughout Veticare. Animal rescuers and carers would be provided with a Veticare card, but would not have to pay an annual fee to recognise the contribution they make to protect animals. Vets are often under stress because they have to attend to wildlife and use resources at their clinics they are not reimbursed for. We want to make sure they get that reimbursement, Mr. Medic said. As part of the laws, dedicated wildlife hospitals would also be set up in regional areas with wildlife skilled vets to reduce the burden on other clinics, with the first hospital to be located on the Great Ocean Road near the surf coast. Ooh. There is currently no wildlife vet or specialty service for the entire area of Western Victoria, Mr. Medic said. Is there anywhere else in the world that does it? 
The proposal is an Australian first, and it could be the first in the world. The idea sprung from the question, how do we fix the vet crisis, Mr. Medic said. We had to find a way to alleviate pressure on vets and their mental stress, alleviate financial stress on people who want their animals to be seen, and the burden wildlife rescuers are placing on vets and vet nurses. So we looked to the healthcare system and Medicare. What about the issue of vet shortages? Vets are leaving the industry in record numbers because of increasing stress and patient load. The proposed laws would supply extra training and upskilling for vet nurses to become technicians and nurse practitioners. In human nurses, nurse practitioners and technicians are allowed to do minor surgical procedures and the same principles would apply in the animal healthcare sector to reduce the patient load and burden on vets and enable more animals to be cared for. Vet nurses would also be able to assess wildlife in a bid to free up time for vets to take on other appointments and to improve access and encourage them to stay in the industry. So, where do you stand on that, Lewis? Wow, that's uh, that's bold, I must say. Very it's a, bold. It's a novel idea. Yeah, unique, um, bold. Yeah. Um, gosh, there's a lot to lot to unpack there, mate. Um, yeah. um, so, know, my, my thoughts are, how are you going to solve a vet crisis by making more work? Yes, you yes. know, that's the yes. that's the main thing. If we we're yes. already having vets leaving, um, you know, that's not you know, making more work by having uh, more accessible veterinary care. Well, making more more accessible veterinary care is a uh, it's a a, a a noble thing to do. Who the hell is going to do it? And to say you're going to upskill vet nurses. Well, how easy is it to try and find vet nurses at the moment? Those vet nurses mm-hmm. are going to have to be skilled up. Who's going to be skilling up the vet nurses? Um, they're still going to want to get paid more as well anyway. So unless then you're going to be paying vets more, nurses more, um, down the bottom of the um, of, of the article, um, I would be lying if I said it was going to be cheap. I would expect it to be over $10 million, Mr. Medic said. But the benefit would far outweigh the costs. It is going to be well over $10 million. I haven't done the, the exact maths myself, Lewis, but um, I think, like I say, it's a, it's a, um, a noble thing to be thinking to try and do something about, but I don't think that is the model for what's going to make it work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's, yeah. Noble is probably a good word, but I think, you know, to think the welfare of animals will be improved with that sort of scheme. I think that that's a great concept. There's just some, practicalities around it of of how the logistically might help and also a portion of society who perhaps don't own pets uh thinking that their taxes are going towards Mm. uh providing care for pets that perhaps around the in many parts of the world, uh, would potentially be seen as a luxury item, maybe. Oh, 100%. Or a, yeah, yeah. You know, it's certainly something. It's a choice. It's not like <clears throat> you know medical bills where you you can't you don't sort of choose to be well or unwell. It kind of happens mm. when you get a pet. It is a little bit like well, it does have great benefits and companionship, and and there's some some health benefits to to pet owners definitely, um, and it's a wonderful thing to do. <clears throat> It is really a choice kind of to have a pet um, and, and then to think that the government will then fund that. It's perhaps going a little bit too far. I, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, there's some merits to it, like I said, but then I, I see some problems with it as well. And I, um, it's something we always 
tend to talk about on Facebook groups. Oh, Venicare, wouldn't that be great? And, you know, if, uh, if um, you know, uh, because often owners do see the disparity between what they have to pay for their medical bills because mm. there's medical subs- uh, um, subsidisation, but then why don't you have Venicare then? Then uh, what? Then you have your vet bill that's like a full bill that 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 you would normally have to pay if there was no Medicare. So it's a, it's a difficult situation, mate. I, I remember reading the articles and sort of thinking it through and going, well, number one, I don't think it's going to get through the parliament nope. probably. So yeah. so us uh, even debating it, it's probably a bit superfluous in some yeah. ways. It's a bit frivolous, but. Uh, but an interesting thought and great to see there's people that are advocating for an improvement in animal welfare. I'm not sure if that's the way to go. Um, you know, maybe funding for a wildlife hospital out of the zoo or the Hillsville sanctuary. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's government funded anyway, but maybe that yeah. as a, as a, I'm not sure the ocean rose the spot really where everyone can get to maybe in the cities are better. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, there's Werribee open range zoo down there, you know, well, like, so, <clears> you know, <throat> I mean, and that's not a million miles away from the, the Western side of Victoria. So, you know, and it's a, yeah, yeah, it's a, um, it, it is a, it is a hard one. I mean, I think from the wildlife point of view, yeah, sure. But um, yeah, it's, it, it, it certainly got the tongues wagging for the, uh, on the, on the Facebook groups of everyone going, Oh God, you know, yeah, this is this it's it's not this isn't gonna happen. This isn't gonna happen, you know, but wouldn't it be great? Yeah, and I think maybe what it might do is it might spurn some way of thinking, right? Well, how can we look after better the people that um that do really, really need it? You know, like so mm. how do you those people that they're um uh you know say people that have got service animals or people that have got, um, uh, you know, that are um, experiencing homelessness and that their animals are their companions. How do we try and look after the welfare of those animals in particular, not so much the people where they've decided, all right, well, hang on, we're going to go and buy a, um, a, a $10,000 designer breed dog um, mm. and, and then not, not want to pay for any of the, any of the vet bills afterwards. That's probably a bit, a bit rich. So I think it's, I think there'll be parts to it that I think could be, um, that could be utilized, but not, not a, an across the board thing, but yeah, again, I, that's just me. I'm well, a grumpy that, old man. No, I think that's quite good. I think, I think, uh, you know, restricting it to sort of the healthcare card holders or, or pensioners or, uh, you know, those sort of um, people who have, uh, you know, low socioeconomic, that, that sort of thing. I think certainly that's, that would be a good option to do it. But yeah, not, like I said, not to, um, not to those people who sort of uh, have a pet as a choice, although we're all Tuesday pets. It's, 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 it's a different one. I mean, certainly we see a fair bit of wildlife um, in Port Melbourne, which is surprising. We'd have at least, I don't know about you, but uh, I reckon we'd have at least probably, two or three wildlife animals brought in per day. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's way um, over us. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's easy. Like when I worked in Terry, it was rarely. And, you know, even when I worked in Sale and Mafra, we didn't get a lot. We got a little bit, but, but yeah, there seems to be a lot in Port Melbourne. I don't know why that is. I mean, it's a lot of car accidents and um, there's that, that sort of thing. Um, but there's not a lot often we can do for the wildlife. You yeah. know, we can provide some basic pain relief. Um, but, but um but the difficulty is wildlife is they are wildlife and they've got an injury. It's a long process to get them back out 
you know, in, into the into the wild, particularly mm. like a seagull or something like that, where it's like, well, you know, there are lots of seagulls. I mean, that, that's a horrible thing to say. Mm. I guess if it was a penguin or something that was perhaps a little bit, oh, I don't like to say valued, but but something yeah. that, that tugs Less the heart ubiquitous. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we would send it on to to the wildlife carers or or to the zoo or somewhere like that where they they do know a bit more about wildlife treatment. So, um, yeah, we certainly do see wildlife. Wildlife. I don't I don't know that they particularly take up a heap of my time, no. but I'd imagine at least yeah, maybe half an hour a week looking at wildlife and stuff. Probably all you know, adding up to, to it. You know, yeah, which is yeah. a little bit of time in the end. But yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, did you want to um, talk about your one or go on to the disclaimer? Talk about what was I going to talk about? Oh, no. I know. You had, you, had, so you got Instagram on here. Oh, the Instagram one. Um, how are we going for time? We're, yeah, we're probably, let's go. Let's go and uh, we'll move on, mate. All we'll advice on, on this show is general in nature. So please consult your veterinarian before following any advice for your pet. We do our best to provide the most up to date information as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Let us know if you missed anything or if you need any clarification or. If you want to have something to say about the um, about the veti care system, and if you've got a way that we can try and solve the crisis, you know, let us know. Get in touch, and we'll tell you how to do that later on. But yeah, Lewis, you wanted to talk about um, yelling and uh, you know, nocturnal yelling of cats at night because you've got all the the research there that you've um, <laughs> got sitting there that you've then filed away. Well, this is a to- this is a topic I wanted to talk about ages ago, and I wrote some really good notes about it to uh, to inform the listeners and give a really good pricey of of the older cat that uh, that uh, undoubtedly is is yowling at night and yes, um, uh, it's and, a common and, thing that we get yeah, asked about, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, owners come in and it's uh, and it's hard on the owners because they've got an older cat. They 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 sort of providing it not a palliative care situation, but a difficult situation because they're the carer and they're being woken up at night and they're they're you know very frustrated with with the process of it. And I guess um. The first thing we tend to do if you've got a cat that is start howling or yowling at night is is come see vet. Full correct medical clinical examination. Um, we'll usually probably recommend blood tests. Hundred you know, percent. Yep. You know, see if there's some. You know, if we don't notice anything on the physical examination, we'll go for some blood tests. Um, you know, common things. Um, high blood pressure is, is a common cause of, of yeah. cats sort of sort of yelling at night, and that can be kidney based, can be thyroid based, overactive thyroid. Um, so we certainly, you know, but any sort of illness, um, sometimes pain, you know, if we've got an ear infection or uh, perhaps yeah, maybe teeth, you know, um, maybe some some arthritis or something like that. You know, we certainly certainly a clinical examination is the first step, isn't it? Well, because so many of those diseases happen in older cats, you know, yep. and so and so you the you want to try and diagnose and treat what you can diagnose and treat to then leave what you can't diagnose with at the end to then work out okay, right, well, what can we throw at the wall and see what sticks, you know? Yes. So 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 if you can, it's it, it's the objective diagnosis versus the subjective diagnosis. So what I mean by that is that if you can run a blood test and you see that a cat's got elevated thyroid levels that cat's got hypothyroidism and you go, okay, right. Well, we can treat that. Does that treat the signs? If it does beauty, if not, well, okay, well, we've treated that thing. Now we need to treat the other one as well. 
Yeah. Especially where, and this is the always a difficult thing that I imagine that you always come up with in behavioral things is that, you know, it is, there's obviously something going on, but as far as what that absolute diagnosis is, that's the subjectivity of, is it this, is it that, is it combinations of things? So, so if we can objectively rule things out, what are your kidneys doing? What's your thyroid doing? Um, do you have arthritis? Do you have dermatitis? Do you have dental pain? We can, if we can rule all of that stuff out, then we go, okay, now we go on to this next step because otherwise all of those things are affecting your old cat's quality of life anyway. So we got to do something about it. And then yes, let's do something about your cat going in the middle of the night. And an interesting segue to that, totally unrelated to cats yelling at night, but actually read a journal article just this morning about uh, uh, the Fruit Loops. Uh, yeah, something like that, about <laughs> um, aggression in dogs. And it was a survey-based article to owners. I think it was about 1,100 dogs. They, they'd surveyed they had aggression, anxiety issues. And they found that 15% of the dogs that had aggression issues actually had a medical cause for the recent, for, for the aggression. So right. that's where, you know, for any behavior problem you've got, you've got to get it checked out by a vet first medically to make sure there's nothing, nothing going on there that we yeah. can easily treat. Cause if yeah. you treat it behaviorally, it's never going to get better if it's a medical problem. Because the cause is still there. The cause exactly. is still there. Yeah, yeah. Why, why, why bother putting out the fire around the ring when the um yeah when the the uh, the, the fireball uh, that's sitting in the middle is still going on? I don't know. That's not a great that's, metaphor. That's a good analogy, mate. Is that, is that back to Thor, Love and Thunder, or something? I was thinking more of like a meteorite or something coming oh. down. But then you know, but then I didn't say meteorites. I didn't really make a whole lot of sense. You can fix it up in post. You can make that make a bit more sense in you know, I can't. Can't you? No, I can't. You can't. No, no, no that's no, it. I was thinking when you're talking about Ring of Fire, I thought maybe you had a hot vindaloo <laughs> last night or something. Um, again, unrelated to the podcast, and that's what you guys get. But face it, listeners, that's the reason why you guys come listen to this. Have you um, have you seen the the YouTube videos of the um, of the celebrities eating the hot wings? Oh, I might have seen one celebrity do it, or maybe a meme of it. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I think very uh, funny. Oh my goodness. So, um, so I've been, I've, I've sort of, it's called, um, hot ones. So, okay. um, so I've been, yeah. What did you Google to, 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 um, to find that mate? Uh, that, hot. yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it was on YouTube. So I don't know what's, uh, oh, anyway, right. um, anyway, so, um, so I've seen, uh, I've seen some, well, the first one that came on was Mark Rober because we watch a lot of Mark Rober videos with the kids because he's an engineer and he does a lot of cool science stuff. And so he's on there and I wanted to watch it to make sure that he doesn't actually, Yes. drop any profanities because everyone else on there when they're reading all these um when they have the first one out of 10 and it's like you know a thousand scoville and then the uh, which is the, the the chili units and then they're getting up to like you know Two hundred and sixty thousand, like they, they their ears start burning off and they're, they're often there's some profanities that start to get dropped so I've all of a sudden, like YouTube keeps putting these other ones up for me. So I've seen um, uh, Tom Holland, the guy who plays Spider-Man. He was really funny. Um, I watched Margot Robbie last night. Um, Gordon Ramsay. I mean, he, you know, he swears when he's putting his socks on in the morning. So, you know, so anyway. Um, anyway, you know, we'll put some yeah. links in the show notes. Hot ones. There you yeah. go, guys. Yeah. Hot <laughs> ones on YouTube. Watch celebrities eat hot wings. Anyway, anyway. Um, where were so, we? Yeah, I don't know. We're talking about cats yelling. That's right. Cats so what's the next step? You do the medical stuff. What's the next step? Do the medical stuff, rule out all of those things. And then then I think we've got to start thinking about, right, well, so what else could it be? Could it be cognitive decline? Could it be separation anxiety? Could it be attention-seeking behaviours? So, you know, that's then when you, you probably start to put your behaviour hat on and start asking questions of, 
Where's it happening? When's it happening? You know, are you around when it's happening? What's been the feeding and that sort of stuff? Is that is that about right? Yeah, you need to get some more questions in there to yep. try and you know, work out. Is it something that's come on suddenly? Um, is it something that's perhaps been around for a long time? It's just been getting a little bit worse as they're getting older. Perhaps breed. Are they a Siamese? Siamese particularly vocal sort of cats, you know? Mm. Bengals. Um, Bengal, yeah. Bengals come mm. out howling. They're, they're born yeah. and rawr, as soon mm. as they come out. Yeah, yeah, true. So, yeah, and a little bit of that, you know, is there a change in the household? Is there a new baby in the house? Because if there was a new baby in the house, obviously you prepared it well with the audio book that's, that's been done by, by Robbie Absolutely. And myself, the dulcet uh, tones off. Com- coming up soon. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, the changes. And, and, yeah, often he says nothing obvious going on. Then you do start to look at is it a bit of cognitive decline? Are there other signs of that? You know, is there some disorientation? Is there some interaction changes between the the pet and the owner? Um, is there some sleep wake cycle changes? You know, is the pet mm. sleeping more, sleeping less? You know, um, sleeping during the day, not, not sleeping at night. Um, is there house soiling? You know, um, yep. Cats and, hanging around outside. Yeah, that's a potential yeah. too. Yep. yep, and and also anxiety based too. But generally, in the older cat, you know, it tends to be probably cognitive decline as long as we've ruled out all the medical stuff. Um, yes. And, and important in the medical stuff is, is, is you know, checking the blood pressure too, which is really hard to do in cats because they yeah. go to the vet and the blood pressure goes up straight away. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, if we do sort of rule it out and say, look, it does seem to be a behavioral or a cognitive decline or a cat Zymers, yep. a little, a uh, little bit of the else, the cat Alzheimer's there. Um, Sometimes some of the things we, we can try and do is sometimes try and stimulate the cats during the day or yep. enrich them during the day. You know, they're sleeping all day and they're awake all night. Well, let's try and switch that around. So, you know, uh, try and wake you up during the day, put you outside. outside. If you go outside, maybe to, to give you some enrichment outside or pl- try and play with you inside, some toys on a string or get you up, you know, and encourage you to move around the house a little bit more. Um, during the day so that hopefully at night time then you'll be a bit more sleepy um, sometimes some simple things like leaving the light on at night um, can help some a little bit of belinda in- carlisle yes leave the light on for me do, 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 do. Um, and, <laughs> and yeah and even giving that sometimes giving them a small meal before bedtime can help now oh, that okay. meal having a high tryptophan content may help oh, yeah. a little bit. So tryptophan is a precursor of serotonin. Yeah. Um, so sometimes that can be something like a turkey breast or a bit of cheese or something like that. If that doesn't give them diarrhea, um, that can sometimes help them at night. Um, and then sometimes you're looking at, do, do we open up the house? Does that give us a cat who's more comfortable can go into the bedroom and settle on the, on the bed? Perhaps we mm. haven't been doing that in the past, but now we can do that or maybe even confining them sometimes into a smaller room. Yeah. Makes them more likely to settle and nestle um, a nest um, in, in, in that area. Um, and then I guess, you know, if that's sort of not helping, then we start to look at some nutraceuticals or things like that. Zilkeen being my first choice. Yep, sure. Um, Me too. Certainly starting on that, see if we can get them sleeping, sleeping a bit at night. Fellyway is another one to help with mm-hmm. anxiety too. And if that, that doesn't seem to helping, then often I will just try a, um, you know, a straight up, uh, well, anxiety and sedation, you know, medication, yeah. um, you, know, uh, you know, an hour before bedtime. So sometimes uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the benzodiazepine. So like Valium, not Valium per se, but Valium type of medication. Yeah. 
Um, some of them are longer acting. You need to talk to your vet, obviously, about those. Um, but, you know, something like Alprazolam or Clonazepam are sometimes good things, but certainly need to talk to your vet. And all I'm trying to do with those is just give the owners a night's sleep, really, yeah, by, by giving the pets some medication. And, and it, you know, if they're fine during the day and that sort of thing and they're just not sleeping at night, that's that's what we do generally tend to do sometimes i'll use try some gabapentin but i find gabapentin sometimes scrambles the brain a little bit yeah. more with those cognitive decline cats and can make them a little bit worse but we you know, there's quite a few options of medications that we'll try and so certainly go to your vet um and and talk to them about that but um that's all for memory, mate. Any other thoughts you've got? No, that was it. I was, I was only just going to ask, oh, hello, Rosie, coming in to say hi. Um, um, I was also um, just going to ask about whether or not you'd used um, or had any experience with using like selegiline or melatonin or anything like that, because I've seen that mentioned in the past for, I mean, certainly selegiline for dogs with um, cognitive dysfunction, but I'd, I'd, I've, I've never used it in cats. Is that something that you've used or, or how about melatonin? Yeah, so, uh, look, certainly selegiline's used a lot um, over in Europe. Um, they they use it a lot for behavior for behavior issues. Not something I've used a hell of a lot. Use a little bit in dogs. Um, I've had a couple of cats with yowling that I've tried, and I haven't been overly happy with the response. One cat yeah. got um, uh, urinary retention, um, right, which wasn't okay. fine. Went sort of. No. I think it was getting up to 36 hours without going to the toilet, which Whoa. was like, yeah, I was that like, wow, that's amazing. There. Yeah, oh, no, I oh, know. So we're sort of. Imagine the money little... you save on cat litter. <laughs> we're getting a little bit concerned at that yeah. stage. Yeah. So, no. Um, and then melatonin, yeah, I haven't, no experience at all with that. No, um, yeah. It is it's mentioned a little bit more in dogs. I'm not sure about in cats, but but it's a good good possibility. Um, I'm just not sure about the dose rate for cats, whether you can get something that's small enough. Small enough. I yeah. guess you had it compounded potentially. Um, so no, no experience. But if any no, of the owners right. out there have had experience, certainly let me know. It'd be really good to, to know what's worked for your cat that's yowling yeah. um, and what what hasn't worked. And um, and certainly, so send us an email at twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. Also, if you've got uh, thoughts on the Vedicare you know, and and the vet crisis and Medicare and how to how to fix that. Any thoughts on that? Please get onto us. Uh, you know, uh, we're on the socials. Um, if you got, on... if you got any topics you'd like us to cover, um, a friend friend of the show, Cloudy. Um, I I I do have feline acne on the uh on the on the to, on the to hit list at some stage because her old kitty cat got some uh got some feline acne recently so we're going to do a little bit of a an expose on feline acne um but if there's anything else that you want to have covered let us know shoot us a line yeah definitely we're on instagram we're on facebook um uh, robbie's on what am i on this week yeah that's right i had i had one lined up but i've actually forgotten Exactly what it only feet. No, I'm not sure. Only feet. Only right. feet. I don't know. Making well, that hey, and I'm wearing I'm wearing matching <laughs> socks today too. So, so my feet go. are very presentable. There you go. But yeah, no, get onto Patreon. We do appreciate the support of the Patreon supporters. Um, and you can go on to Patreon, just search for two vets, talk pets there, and, and you can check us out. Very good. All right, guys. Well, otherwise we'll then catch you again next time. All righty, scratch you later. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send an email to Two Vets Talk Pets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at Vet Behaviorist, and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.